Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the OI. I'm joined this evening by play-by-play announcer for the Langley Trappers in the Pacific Junior Hockey League. And he also covers the UBC Thunderbirds in the Can West Collegiate in Canada, Gideon Hill. And also joined by Quinn Donovan, PA announcer for the Langley Trappers in the Pacific Junior Hockey League. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing good, Jamie, and you? I'm, I'm well. How are you, Gideon? How are, you, how are things in the, in the West Coast? They're peachy, just peachy, Jamie. Thanks for asking. Very good, guys. Uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about, and I'll start off with Quinn. What's your take on the the Braden Holtby uh, situation with the mask? Just uh, let the OI viewers just let the OI viewers. Uh... Okay. Uh, well, basically, Braden Holtby uh, commissioned Gunnarsson, who's literally known as one of the de facto best mask designers in probably the entire world in terms of goalie masks, uh, to commission a mask that uh, embraced the indigenous designs, uh, which are very, very familiar out in the West Coast. We've got indigenous designs everywhere, especially in Vancouver uh, and Victoria as well. And he commissioned uh, Gunnarsson, who's a Swedish artist, uh, to design a mask that embraced indigenous culture. Um, the only problem is, is that the indigenous groups out here, which rely on the money generated from said artwork, um, basically said, look, we're not okay with this. This is misappropriation of our culture. Um, so basically it ran, ran up a, a large stink in a furor, for lack of a better word, that lasted almost three days, um, during which uh, Holtby's wife apparently was threatened on Twitter. I didn't even know that, but apparently that's the case. Um, Holtby has come out and apologized. The artist himself is taking down the artwork um, and Holtby has um, said he's going to do better and he's going to uh, now work with indigenous artists and you know, hopefully, hopefully it comes to a peaceful resolution. But at the same time, you have to wonder if that's due to our heightened culture because Canucks players, and especially goaltenders, have always used indigenous artwork or indigenous uh, art on their masks going back to pretty much since the beginning of time, really. Um, it was more so when they changed over to the Orca, that's when it really became popular because you know everybody wanted an Orca type design that was indigenous. It's just the way things sort of balanced out um whereas previously with the stick and rink or not even not even the stick and rink really um not with the stick and rink and the flying skate you couldn't do indigenous art it's just not possible um so with something like that you know the second they moved over to the orca it was like okay well how can we do this and how can we really really embrace our west coast heritage uh, so basically every goalie since then has pretty much gone with some kind of indigenous design with the exception of Roberto Luongo, who always changed his pretty much every year. Um, usually the backups tended to go in uh, some kind of indigenous design. So um, to, to be honest, out here, it's kind of like much ado about nothing, but at the same time, it, we are what we embrace. We are what we create. So 
now the fact that we've embraced this, you know, oh, this is a misappropriation and therefore we've got to call it out. That's what we're sort of running into. What's your take on that situation, Gideon? Uh, I think it's a very touchy subject. I know that given the history of indigenous cultures in BC, um, always designing a mask, maybe Braden Holby didn't know this coming from the East Coast and Washington specifically, but it's there's a lot of respect to be paid to our elders or indigenous communities. Um, there's been a lot of uh, history in BC and across Canada really with the government on how people were treated, indigenous people might have been treated in the past and there's a lot of reconciliation uh, going on and apologizing and what stuff like that. So it still is a touchy subject for a lot of people. A lot of people, especially myself, learned about it in high school and in grade nine and 10 social studies. So it's still a, a, a very forefront uh, topic in BC regarding uh, communities, indigenous communities who are, there's a lot of um, native land around here um, in, in the lower mainland, specifically going towards the Tawasin Ferry Terminal. So there's a lot of communities in the lower mainland. There's a lot of across BC, really. So to have a mask like that, I do see where he's coming from with how precedent it is here in the lower mainland. But you would think he would have to or should have gotten approval from certain indigenous communities uh, about having a mask like that, because, again, it is uh, I wouldn't, yeah, I hate to say touchy subject, but it is something that has always been, seems like it's been an issue for people getting the rights to certain images or whatnot with masks in the past. So it's unfortunate it ended up this way and that went to Twitter and that his wife was criticized and he was criticized, like new guy coming from Washington, former Stanley Cup champion, like you're excited to have this guy on your team, but he's already in hot water. So it's unfortunate to see, but uh, I'm glad it is somewhat resolved and I hope we can uh, move on from this. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Not only that, but I mean, this is now the second incident that has involved Brayden Holtby. Um, oh, are so, you talking about the, the shell? Sadly, the turtles. <laughs> the yes, shell. I'm talking about the turtles. Um, yeah. Because, of course, they, his wife, you know, basically wasn't aware that he couldn't bring his turtles with him. Um, and yes, I know that it comes off as like a Hanson brother type thing where it's like, what do you mean you brought his toys with him? You know, like, um, and you'd think it would be a nothing hmm. issue. But at the same time, you know, like you have to be able to know the rules of bringing in livestock into the country that you're going to be playing in. Um, so his turtles wound up stuck at customs for a little bit, but they got that sorted out. And so, um, but at the same time, it, it kind of, it kind of left a bad taste in, in everybody's mouth. And really, unfortunately, like it's not really a situation where um, this was done purposely. It's not pers it's, it wasn't done uh, purposely. Um, it was more basically wrong situation, wrong time. Um, you could say those uh, border guards had a hard shell. <laughs> very, very hard shell. I hear that. Yeah. Um, but I, it basically comes down to wrong situation, wrong time, you know, with Holtby. Vancouver, for the most part, and, and maybe fair, maybe unfair, has been known as a goalie graveyard. So running into a situation where you've got a goaltender who is getting paid a lot of money, let's be honest. Um, and now two different situations that have sort of like ended badly and not really should have, to be honest. Um, it, it, it kind of puts things in a negative light to the point where it's like, you know, like maybe we should back off of this a little bit because, you know, and, and hopefully, it, hopefully it's not a pattern. Hopefully it's just something where it's like two issues and it's a one-off and just, you know, we'll move on to our, move on to what's important, which is the season. So 
that's what matters at this point. So basically, yeah, once everything gets sorted out, and no doubt it will, um, then at that point, you know, we just got to move on. And, and it's safe to say by January 13th, Vancouver Canuck fans will let this uh, just kind of go by and, and they'll forget. And by January 13th, let the, the Vancouver Canucks play and let Brady hope, excuse me, Brayden hopefully play and, and not be a distraction. Is that safe to say by uh, the start of the season, the fans will forget about the. Yeah, I mean, this? it's safe to say that because I mean, you know, the, the, the news media out here, something like that is usually a two to three day cycle on news radio. And we've got two competitive news radio stations in our neck of the woods um, that like talking the Canucks and they'll talk about anything Canucks, including bizarre stuff that you wouldn't even think was related to the Canucks. But apparently, you know, it's just like, I mean, these are the same people that decided in their infinite wisdom that they were going to trade Brock Besser like a year ago. Um, They were like, oh, we could do Besser for Dumba straight up. And people were like, no, like, don't. No, it's like, like, we just signed this kid. We just extended his contract. Like, no, don't talk about getting rid of him. That's just not right. Um, So, you know, sometimes they do have to be held in check and that's what their, that's what their callers do, you know, but usually something like that is a two to three day news cycle and it goes after that. I I do follow Andrew Walker, uh, who covers the Vancouver Canucks and I haven't seen him in him uh, add any input to all of this. I, as I told you guys off the air, I heard this today from the Rod Peterson show, and he made it made it one of his headlines, and uh, that's what made me ask both of you the question today. So that's good to hear. By January 13th, it won't be a problem. It's it's going to be Braden Holpe's crease to lose, and and if he does lose that crease, then uh, you know they have a, a another, I believe, a one A, one A. A goalie situation and Thatcher Demko will will shine as as predicted. So, hey, it, it shouldn't be a problem. But hey, for now, let's just move on and and talk some World Juniors. So, the 25 man roster has been set. I'm just gonna pull it up here on my computer. Um, Quentin, or excuse me, let me see. Uh, Bowen Byram from Vancouver. What you guys is uh insider intake on uh Paul and Byron from the the Vancouver Giants we'll start with you Gideon first sorry uh, uh yeah I think I, I touched on this last week as well like he's an exceptional talent uh he could be in my opinion on the Colorado Avalanche to start the NHL season I don't think he'll be a top line defenseman um, but I think he could be in the future uh he has a bright future ahead of him I think there's a lot of hot prospects and uh, depth on that Colorado blue line like Sam Gerrard, uh, Ian Cole, Nikita Zadorov, who actually is now traded, so Connor Timmins. Um, so there's a lot of uh, talent on that Colorado team. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if he makes it or or is a 1A situation there in Colorado, but I know for sure he's going to be a, a star in this team at the World Juniors for his second year, and he should either have the C or the A at this upcoming World Junior Tournament in the bubble in Edmonton. So he's a bright talent. I've seen him play uh, – about 15 times and every time he wows me with the ability his ability to distribute the puck and uh his shot as well it's just exceptional so looking forward to seeing him play in the bubble and uh and i know he has a bright future ahead of him in regards to the nhl and um the colorado avalanche what's your uh, what's your opinion on uh bowen byram quinn playing for team canada 
Uh, Bowen Byron's a stud. Um, I'm, I'll be just simple to say it. I've seen him play once. Uh, it was the WHL championship series versus, um, the hell are they playing? Prince Albert. Uh, yeah, Prince, Prince Albert. Albert. Um, yeah. Kid has the ability to take over a game. If something's like in the, in the bottom corner where it's like you're down by one or whatever, he has the ability to take over games. He's going to be fun to watch, and he's a leader on the ice. And that's the most important thing as to what Team Canada needs. Now, the good news is, is that he's part of this really, really solid core of players that are coming back. Byfield, Cousins, McMichael, Mercer, and uh, Drysdale as well. There's, there's um, six players so in total coming back from last, total, year, exactly. from last year's gold medal uh, accomplishment. So, yeah, sorry. Exactly continue. right. So, I mean, it's, it's really good to have that kind of core there. Uh, especially when you've got 25 and out of that is your core of six, which is good. Um, so Byram is going to, is going to fit in quite well. He's going to play really, really good minutes. He's going to show some excellent leadership. And if he needs to take the game on his shoulders, he's capable of that too. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a really solid pickup by team Canada. I'll start with you, Quinn. Uh, let the viewers know about Zari and Korzak. Uh, Korzak from Kelowna. Uh, Rocket and Zeri from the Kamloops Blazers, uh, two BC products. So uh, just tell, uh, tell the viewers about those two uh, kids. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen either of them play to um, just, you know, just uh, it's, it's, I don't get a chance to go to the ring very often, to be honest. Um, but uh, let me have a look here. And uh, what's your take, Gideon? Can you add, can you add some insight on uh, Connor Zeri and Kozak? Yeah, Connor Zary's really become a, a star in Kamloops the last couple of years and a very deep young team. Uh, they were going to be in the playoffs last year. Unfortunately, uh, the, the uh, playoffs got canceled due to COVID, but he's a, a, a top-line center in Kamloops, plays penalty kill, power play. He's got a great shot. Uh, he was drafted this year as well, so by Calgary in the 24th overall in the first round. And Caden Korzak as well, who was cut last year. Uh, he's a defenseman. He's got a great shot. Uh top defenseman on Kelowna for the last two, three years, ever since Cal foot left uh, and aged out about two years ago, I believe it was. So he's been uh, with the Rockets for a couple of years now, uh, exceptional player moves the puck really well. Uh, I think he could fit with any of the left side of defensemen in this team. He, uh, like I said, he's a right shot. So he slots along that right side. Well, uh, he can kill penalties. He's good in the power play. Like I said, he's got a booming shot and he's the top, top gun in that Kelowna team. So that we've had a lot of seen a lot of, good defenseman come out of that Kelowna program like Shea Weber and Tyson Berry. So uh, another one of those second comings of a uh, good defenseman from the Kelowna Rockets organization. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play in this tournament. He might not have a, a first line role, but he will be uh, hopefully in the top six. I've seen him play a few times and he's just gets better every time I see him. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, along with Zary in this tournament. And you can't argue six foot four on Caden Korzak. The kid can, I mean, you can't teach size. That's the biggest thing. So, I mean, he's going to And he's from uh, Saskatchewan too. So, you know, those Saskatchewan boys like their meat and potatoes. So <laughs> exactly. They're used to whatever cold you're going to play in. Yeah. That's your cold. Exactly. You know, like yeah. Edmonton is not going to sweat them at all. Not when you're used to playing in Saskatchewan winter. So <laughs> uh, next question for either of you, whoever wants to answer first, go or Guerrero. Gerard, uh, Gerard being from Kamloops as well, and, and Goche from Prince George in the WHL, and De Devin Levi from North Northeastern in the NCAA. It's the three goaltenders, 
part of the 25-man roster. Who's who's net is it? We'll start with you, Quinn. Who do you believe uh, will be Canada's starting goalie? And you gotta you gotta remember the first game is against uh, Germany. Uh, won't be a won't be a tough test, but who do you see uh, within the three? Uh, I imagine Goche and Garin are fight or Garland Garand Garand yeah Garand. I imagine they're fighting it out to uh, make sure one of them them BC boys are in the net first so uh who do you see in nets uh for the very first game against germany uh truth be told when it comes to first game against germany i would i would probably go with devin levi and the reason for that is because he's with the northeastern program you know they're used to playing boston college which as we know is a goalie factory uh, he's used to playing in the hardcore you know boston leagues which you know, some of the best college hockey you'll see in the entire world is based out of the Massachusetts area. Um, so De- to me, it's Devin Levi's to lose. Um, now, in terms of who's going to be his, his 1A or his 2, it's going to be a dogfight between Garand and Gauthier. And I say Garand's got the upper hand, mainly because Garand just had his draft year. So New York is going to be able to, is going to want to see what he can do coming into training camp. Um, in terms of Gauthier, his draft year is this coming year, the 2021 draft. So he's still got a little bit of time to go. In all fairness, it's going to be it's going to be good for him to be able to see what Levi do and uh, Garand do in terms of their preparation, game in and game out, uh, to get ready for the NHL swing. So um, to me, it's going to be Levi and Garand, and it, if there's any kind of dogfight, it'll be Garand and Gauthier. What's your take, Gideon, on the possible goaltending tandem in the the tournament? I've heard a lot about uh, Devin Levi out of the Northeastern University uh, and out east. Um, like Quinn said, it's a tough, very tough environment there. They have to play BCBU. They have to play Alex Newhook, who's his teammate on Canada. So we've seen a lot of um, good players that Devin Levi's had to face. I heard a lot about him in camp. He surprised a lot of people with his play. Um, and as well, I think Taylor Gochi, Dylan Grand could be backups. It also, you can say who might be where right now, but unless you see them play or how they perform, you can't really pick because there is three goalies. And we've seen the past with like, say the Olympics in 2010 comes to mind when Martin Baudet was starting the first two games for Canada in Vancouver and lost the starting job to Luongo and Baudet was pushed to the bench. And then they had three goalies and Marc-Andre Fleur was in up in the stands. So we could have that situation here. One guy could play better than the other two or other one, the two could play better than the one of them and one of them's pushed to the stands. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think Devin Levi starts against uh, Germany and then either Taylor Goche and Dylan Grand start the next day because it is a back-to-back. I, as you guys were talking there, I just uh, hopped on the online. I found a website called VancouverIsAwesome.com. Uh, <laughs> did Quinn create that? Are we? Did uh, Quinn create that? No, it's, it's, heard of it. you heard it here, folks. It's called VancouverIsAwesome.com. Um, wow. Just reading up on the Braden Holpe situation. Braden Holpe apologizes for goalie mask accused of cultural appropriation. Attends to work with Indigenous artists. Quote: I definitely learned a valuable lesson through this all. And we'll make sure I'm better moving forward, unquote. And it was two days ago from Daniel Wagner, I guess the guy that covers the Vancouver Canucks on 
VancouverIsAwesome.com. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I have not heard from uh, Andrew Walker, who does cover the Vancouver Canucks. I haven't heard his opinion. Um, so, again, we'll just kind of leave it at that. If you guys, I'll send you the link later if you guys want to hop on that uh, VancouverIsAwesome.com and, and check out that article that Daniel Wagner uh, and Rob Rob Williams, uh, Rob the hockey hockey guy, he also had a had uh, some things to say there about the Holtby mass situation. So we're kind of there's really no need to comment on it to be honest, because I nope. mean Holtby obviously met with the Canucks legal team and basically said what's the most, what's the least offensive thing I can say, you know. And the Canucks legal team is really good, you know. It's not the first time the Canucks legal team has had to weigh in and put together a public statement. And they did that here, you know. Uh, I think a lot, you know, one of the last times that they had to do that was Bertuzzi's apology, going back a ways. But, um, but it just goes to show you that, you know, when it comes to the Canucks, it's like, look, we embrace the community. Here's what we need to say in order to get past this, and they're doing that, and that's all that matters. Just, just quickly for you, Gideon, and you, Quinn, uh, just a couple more minutes left in this episode. Just give me your prediction on one through seven in the Canadian division and. And where do you see uh, Vancouver finishing in the standings? We'll start with you, Gideon. Well, I don't know what I said last week, um, so I don't really want to change too much, but I'm going to stick with my st- stance in saying Edmonton uh, – sorry, Toronto is going to be first. Uh, I said Ooh. last week they added a lot. Uh, Joe Thornton. James is your um, new best friend. James will, be your, James will be your new best friend after saying that. <laughs> Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs I'm not a Leafs fan, but I like the, what they've done. Um, and I think Edmonton will be second. Uh, I think Calgary is going to be third. Um, I'll put the Canucks at or Canadians at fourth, Canucks at fifth, Jets at sixth, and uh, Ottawa at seventh. I just don't think they have the um, depth to go top four, top five. It's, it's safe to say to put Toronto in first when you're not a Toronto fan. And when you're a Toronto fan, you won't put your team at number one. <laughs> you put maybe Calgary at number one. And I won't get into my top seven as we already discussed this, but that was on a, uh, that was on a, or a, during a different conversation. So Quinn, just uh, add your top seven. And where do you see the uh, Vancouver Canucks finishing in the, in the top seven in the all Canadian division? In terms of my top seven, uh, I've got my first two as Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, Calgary's made some really, really good opportunistic pickups, given it's the majority of them are from the Canucks talent pool, but uh, they've made some really solid pickups in the offseason, picking up Jacob Markstrom and basically maxing him out, um, you know, and uh, picking up Chris Tanev as well as uh, some other players. Um, Edmonton is always dangerous. You know, anytime you're dealing with Connor McDavid and the Hart Trophy, uh, winner Leon Dreisaitl, um, you're going to have, you know, a, a good squad to work with. The only problem is, is that biggest weakness for Edmonton is they've got no goaltending. They've still got nobody in goal that can stop the puck. We're not talking about a Grant Fuhrer, Bill Ranford type situation. Now it's like, what, Mike Smith and Cam Talbot? I mean, really, it's it's a nothing issue. Um, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. There you go, Koskinen, right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then I've got Vancouver at three. And the reason I've got Vancouver at three is because they shocked a lot of people and they surprised a lot of people during the bubble playoffs. 
Uh, when they got in, you know, they first thing they did was dispatch of Minnesota. No one expected that. Everybody expected Staylock to stand on his head and probably take the series. Uh, then they went and dispatched the defending Stanley Cup champions. And if you can get rid of the Stanley Cup champions, you can get rid of anybody. They damn near got rid of Las Vegas. They damn near went on a deep run. So I've got them at three. Uh, four, and this is completely, completely selfish of me because I do have family in the peg. I've got Winnipeg at four. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is coming up a Vesna trophy. If they can get Patrick Laine's in head in the game and out of his arse, they may have a decent squad. And of course, they've always got Nikolai Ehlers, and he's always dangerous. Um, so I'm going to put, I've, I've got Winnipeg at four. Uh, Montreal, I've got at five. I think they made some really solid pickups, getting Tyler Toffoli in the offseason. Uh, so that's going to be really, really good for them. Uh, six, I've got Toronto. Now that, a lot of people are going to look at me going, how the hell do you have Toronto at six, considering they got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? I'm probably going to eat crow for that, you know, come the season start. I fully expect that. I'm just figuring it out based on where they are. Um, Ottawa's still a dumpster fire, even though they got Matt Murray, at, even though they got Matt Murray in the offseason. Him and Craig Anderson will probably steal a few goals, but games here and there, um, but not enough to make the playoffs. So I got them at seven. The, the Dallas Cowboys right now are a dumpster fire. Can you put the Ottawa Senators in the same uh, situation as the Dallas Cowboys? Yes. No, yes, because they have Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> okay. All right. With the exception of with the exception of Ezekiel Elliott, yeah. I can still put Ottawa as a dumpster fire as the Dallas. They should Cowboys easily is. be in the playoffs, even without Prescott, in my opinion. But that's just my humble. I, opinion, I have so. to watch what I say. If Rod Peterson hears what I'm saying right now about his Dallas Cowboys, America's team. I probably will be probably be, be revoked from watching his show ever again. So, and I, hey, I'm giving some love to the Pats tonight. As you guys can see, I'm wearing my uh, Regina Pats hat. I don't know who who sent it to me. So, thank you very much. I've I've already uh, mentioned uh, it on Twitter. Thank you very much for sending this Pats hat. So, I'm I'm showing all the love uh, possible for everyone out the west. So, I hope I hope all of you stay. Stay well. I know um, I've talked to Alan and and we had Kyle on an episode today, and the the COVID cases are just sky high in the Ontario area of Canada. And I I just hope you guys can stay safe. And uh, we'll start with you, Gideon. How can uh, people find you on Twitter? At underscore Gideon Hill on Twitter. How about you? How about you, uh, Quinn? How can uh, how can follow? How can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at QD's World, and that's at QDS as in Sam W O R L D on Twitter, and uh, also throughout the multiverse, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I've added some new content. Yeah, there. make sure to follow your TikTok page. It's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, this is allegedly it's pretty entertaining. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, the girlfriend has a TikTok account, and we'll just leave it at that. But she just kind of sits on the couch and watches it. I thought you had to actually do stuff, like dance around the house. And oh no, you do, Jamie. You should. You should be on her TikTok, Jamie. Come on now. You should be the star of the show. If I hear that blinding light song one more time, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna move to Iran somewhere where there's no where there's <laughs> yeah. no music. But hey, then there's no oh, hockey's. No. Then there's no hockey's. So yeah. Guys, this has been a pleasure. This has been episode three of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast. Quinn and Guinea, thanks very much, guys, for joining me this evening. Thanks, thanks Jamie. Sir. Appreciate it.